1: This is an E N N special report. Now
2: reporting. The very handsome Jewish man, Peter Rosenberg.
0: Ian's at six.
2: When the clock struck six, it meant one thing. Can I just say one thing, Don? Sure? Um, you're not Don. It stands up, But it's not! Now,
3: from the ESPN New York
0: News Desk, here's Rosenbaum, or whatever that guy's name is. The one of your show is number one.
2: Hi everyone, welcome to ENN Ray Row, which tonight is brought to you by me. I'd like to start off by saying thank you. Good evening to Don.
1: Part of the reason we're happy is that we're not sad.
2: That's it's deep. Don, when Don's deep, when he goes deep, he goes deep.
1: Yeah, and that's very deep.
2: That was excuse really me esoteric. Excuse me is right and good evening to myself play the game your way thank you what was that play it again anthony play the game your way oh okay (laughs) that was my big appearance in the uh pga pga 2k pga tour 23 well i think i said that backwards um pga tour 2k 23 yeah, there it is. Hear that line again. Hear the acting, guys. Listen to the chops. Play the game your way. Oh, my God. You hear just, that?
1: You're a natural.
2: Who's not going out to get that game? I will tell you, very excited for 2K23. You can not only play Tiger Woods in this game. I don't know if you saw this, Don. You could play as Michael Jordan in this game as well, playing golf. Really? A L- little golf Jordan action.
1: Wouldn't I rather be Steph?
2: You mean because he's a better golfer? That's right. Fair point. I mean, Jordan's a good golfer. Is Steph the best golfer in basketball?
1: He's definitely better than Barkley. Well, (laughs) that doesn't doesn't say a lot. lot, Uh,
2: Donald, your choice. I'm going to leave it to you. You want to start with the football or with the baseball?
1: I say we start with the football because we haven't done a lot of it today. How about that?
2: That's right. And we'll do more baseball as we get closer to 7 o'clock. Mets and Yankees. Eh, eh,
1: eh, eh. Kayvon
2: Thibodeau, yeah. The Giants rookie set to miss three or four weeks. An initial test on his knee revealed a sprained MCL, though his ACL and meniscus were intact, according to Adam Schefter. The Giants hope Thibodeau will be ready for their regular season opener against the Titans on September 11th. Scary scene last night, Don, after he took that cut block. Um, and a cart came out. It's not exactly what you're looking for. Here's Brian Dable. Can Thibodeau realistically be ready for week one?
4: I'd say it's day-to-day. I'm not forecasting when a player can come back or not come back. I know he'll come in and get treatment. We'll take it day by day, and when he's ready to go out there, you know, that's when we'll put him out there.
2: Harry Douglas was on KJM earlier, and he did not think the block on Thibodeau was dirty.
0: I think it was a misfortune. I don't believe by any means it was a dirty play, but the confusion between people back and forth on social media is unbelievable. And I want people to understand this. Football is football. We can't just every time something happens that we, we want to take plays out of the game of football. And a lot of people are chiming in saying this is a dirty play. He didn't have to do this or whatnot. And I would lean back and say, well, what about Chris Godwin when he's catching a football across the football field and he doesn't see a defender coming? to take his legs away, and then he tears his ACL, and now he can't start the year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have plays like that, but I thought it was a football play. I just think both guys could have been better at going about the football play, and I don't think that result would have happened that way.
1: Oh, one of those, the, 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 the famous gag of, well, it's Thibodeau's fault. Like, he should have known better.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's like... Yeah, I understand it didn't have to happen that that way, and it did happen that way. What? But, like, how about in a preseason game? I mean, I don't don't get done. I understand they want to prevent head injuries, okay? I get it. I'm all for it. I'm all for the ugly protective mushroom hats everyone's wearing in training camp. Hell, if they said that we were going to figure out a way to wear those during regular season games, I'm all for that, too. But, I mean,
1: at what cost do you continue to protect people's heads? Well, and also it, it's not, not everybody's playing for the same reason. And what I mean by that is, is that you've got your veterans, guys that have already established themselves in the league. Preseason for them is just to kind of get the speed down, get themselves ready for the season. And you're also playing on the same field as guys who are treating this like it's the Super Bowl because if they don't do well, they can get cut. And... uh Moss is a guy that was a practice squad player last year and they signed him to a deal like halfway through the season. So regardless of his family lineage, he sounds like somebody that has to treat every play big time because he wants to stay on the defending AFC champion team and have a chance to win a Super Bowl, as opposed to, you know, a Thibodeau who's out there trying to get ready for a season, but he knows he's going to make the team. He's the fifth overall pick for God's sakes. So isn't it possible that you're going to get into these situations because, one guy's playing for his life and the other guy's just going, you know, just trying to to get himself acclimated to the NFL. Not everybody's in it for the exact same reason.
2: It's a really good point, Don. These are the things you have to be wary of during the preseason because people have different motivations. Now, yeah. were you surprised by how much time Daniel Jones got yesterday?
1: Well, only because the the last time we spoke, it sounded like that nobody was going to play because the offensive line was so banged up. But then you hear afterwards that he needed it, and I, and I and I agree with Dable. He does need it. This has not been the greatest camp in the world for him. He actually had it going on. He only threw two incomplete passes. One of them was an interception, but I don't think it was his fault. Wouldn't you say Daniel Jones needs as much of a look as humanly possible? There's only one more game left, and there's a good possibility he won't even play in that.
2: Now let's hear from Kimberly Martin, uh, who says a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones
3: when you watch Daniel Jones there's nothing definitive that made you think if you're a Giants fan or if you're this front office that yes we know that this is our guy it's still the preseason there's a lot of vanilla offenses there's a lot of things that they're working through and the problem for Daniel Jones is this front office does not owe him anything this season is all about John Mara and this new regime seeing if Daniel Jones can be the answer in 2023 so I don't expect Tyrod Taylor to get on the field unless Daniel Jones completely implodes because you have to know, without a shadow of a doubt, they already didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So they're already signaling, we need to see more. I would say that Daniel Jones is under the most pressure of any quarterback, not named Carson Wentz. And you can make a case that Daniel is under more pressure than Carson Wentz, actually.
2: That's a tough argument. That's, that's actually interesting, Don. Who's got more pressure? I would actually argue Wentz. Because I, I think with Wentz, it's complete end of the line if he's a dud this year. Um. Or, or certainly end of the line as a starter. Yeah, well, don't you think Daniel Jones, if it doesn't work out here, gets another chance where someone else says, hey, we think we can make this work?
3: I
1: don't know. Maybe. But probably just as much of a chance as Wentz does. I mean, Wentz will still have on his resume, would have won the 2017 MVP. Right. If it weren't for injury.
3: Right. So he
1: has accomplished at least something in this league. Jones has not. So will Wentz get another opportunity? Yeah, but you're right. His chances are few and far between at this point. But what has Jones done where he'll be assigned for any other reason but to be just a backup quarterback in this league? Who is going to give him a chance to be the starting quarterback?
2: Um, Well,
1: I mean, listen. Other than just taking a flyer. But Darnold, his next job is going to be a backup and, and try to win the job because of injury. Certainly not because somebody is going to go out there and go, I think he's really good. I, I think the Giants missed the boat on this kid. I'm, I'm going to sign him, and he's going to be my starting quarterback. That's not going to happen.
2: Darnold's got a chance in Carolina. And speaking of which, I flush it. lost that chance. Uh, Baker Mayfield named the starter for right now. Let's hear from Mina Kimes on NFL Live.
3: This isn't a particularly surprising decision. Field, you put up Baker's stats last year. As bad as those were, Sam Darnold's statistics were pretty much worse across the board. And we have seen him put together stretches of games, the likes of which Sam Darnold just simply hasn't in the NFL. I actually really like these skill players. There's a lot to like in this Panthers office, provided that offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo can coordinate an offense that's tailored to Baker's skill sets. But I do have a concern. And this concern arose while watching the Panthers in this last start, and that is the offensive line. And it is particularly this offensive line against one of, if not the best pass rushers in the NFL. In Miles Garrett. Look, Aquanu is a young player. He's going to get more comfortable in pass protection. But for week one, that's the kind of mismatch that could completely throw a game for Baker. It doesn't matter how good he is or how good the skill players are. are, If he can't stay protected for a a decent amount of time, they're going to struggle to get anything going.
2: So what do you think the future holds for Sam Darnold? Think it's overdone?
1: Uh, I don't think it's. it'll be the same as Jones. He'll, He'll have a job.
2: No back up for the next few years,
1: and the only way he could possibly win a, a job is if you know, let's like say Baker Mayfield gets hurt, they throw him out there, he starts to win. Here's the difference between Darnold and Jones. Sam was the third overall pick, and no one blinked at him being the third overall pick because they thought he had he, he had some ability mm-hmm. like nobody was surprised when he was the third that's overall a, that's
2: pick That's a very good point.
1: Jones was a flyer at six. I don't think too many people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe the Giants took my six. I wanted them. Okay, so Sam was a different story. So um, I think that's the big difference between the two. So the feeling is going to be, well, maybe Sam will, you know, look at the Jets. They chew up quarterbacks and spit them out. Situation in Carolina um, wasn't great because, you know, there were some injuries there too. But Jones, was he was – He was a flyer at six. I don't think a lot of general managers really believed that he was a franchise quarterback to begin with. He kind of probably confirmed their beliefs by the way he's played so far in the NFL. He'll find a job, but not as a starter. Uh, Mayfield, same thing. He was the first overall pick. Cleveland is not a place where quarterbacks thrive. You know, Wentz was a guy that was a borderline MVP. All of these guys have more of a reason to be given a chance than Daniel Jones.
2: (sighs) Well, you can look back on all the other great quarterbacks from Duke, Don. God, can you make an argument, Don? I know you're very big on the Giants and how how much they tried to continue to squeeze every last bit of juice out of Eli. Right. To their detriment. Mm -hmm. Don, can you argue that this pick is even more of that?
1: Well, they haven't had to make a decision. And when they did have to make one, they decided to decline, giving them the fifth-year option. So all they're doing is just following through with protocol, right? I mean, the, you know, if they had the sixth, the second overall pick in this year's draft, this past year's May's draft, like the Jets did, they would have drafted a quarterback. But they didn't. They had the fifth overall pick that didn't wasn't heavy on quarterbacks, so they really didn't have another option. I don't think anybody wanted them to trade for Jimmy G. Um, I don't, you know, other than going out and getting Tyrod Taylor, there wasn't really much else the Giants could do, so you might as well just see it through. What other options did they have? Now, are they sacrificing anything by giving Daniel Jones an opportunity? They sacrificed a rebuild giving Eli the opportunities they did. But what was the alternative? But I just mean, was there interest
2: in him? Oh, the fact, him being a Manning, was that like... an overwhelming... Him being a Manning disciple of sorts, was that an overwhelming factor? And then the fact that he reminded
1: them of Eli. But it still had to come from a place of liking the quarterback. I I can't imagine they didn't like him, but like, well, he is so much like Eli, let's take a chance on him with a sixth overall pick. I got to believe they liked him as a quarterback, and then what put him over the top was the fact that he was so much like Eli, and he's a really good kid, and they felt like... That he could handle the situation and all that—it's the basis, the foundation of it. Still had to be. They thought they saw ability there,
2: and as no, much absolutely. as it was a,
1: fl- a flyer at six, I don't think it, people thought that he shouldn't be a sixth overall pick. But people still felt he was an NFL quarterback.
2: I'm not saying they hated him, but he reminded them of Eli. I'm just saying—is that part of why you know? Was that just a factor that made them think, "Ooh, we really do love this guy."
1: Uh, That—that's uh, I, I think mean. it was definitely a factor. If, if it was. If it was the number one factor, Peter, then that—that's—that's that's, then he deserved to eventually lose his job. I can understand Mara thinking that way because Mara is the owner, but a general manager can't get caught up in that. Besides, I mean, does so, you know, Gettleman, what is Gettleman care? Love. What does Gettleman care? He—he he didn't benefit from Eli. Like, like you know, he didn't draft Eli. Like, well. so that would have had to come from John Mara. Which would then be another example of like John Mara fat handing the situation and saying, "I want you to draft Daniel Jones." Like, so I don't want to let Edelman off the hook here, but if you ha- if you're of that opinion, you're not going to blame him for the Barkley pick because it was Mara. And now, if we're not going to blame him on the Jones pick because it was Mara, then why did this guy lose his job? Now, I guess he lost his job because he had zero backbone and couldn't fight back at the at the owner. But was John Mara that fat hands? Why would I want to be the general manager of a team if the owner's telling me who to pick?
2: Now, tonight, Don, in less than an hour, Oh sure. little Yankee Met action. Let's hear from Yankee manager Aaron Boone on the Subway Series.
0: We're going up against a great team that's playing really, really well. And I think the Subway Series, it's a fun time in the year. You know, when you play a team from across town and it just gets that extra bit of buzz in the course of the year so you enjoy that you enjoy those those games that you know feel a little bit different in the course of the year and then hopefully we know we got a challenge with just a great team and a couple great stars going at us so hopefully we can go out and put our best foot forward and salvage some of these
1: ten seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on Shopify My instinct is to say that Boone is like, could we play anybody else but the Mets the next two days? Do I really need this aggravation? The team's struggling. This loss, if we lose to the Mets, it's going to be magnified because it's the Mets and all this media. Boy, I'd love to – why can't we just be in Oakland right now? Or is it – this is exactly what we need. Because if we win, it'll be a big deal because it's against the Mets – and that maybe this is exactly the attention that this team needs to kind of wake up. Uh, a, a win against the Mets isn't going to feel like a win against the Oakland A's. How do you think he feels about
2: it? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, it was big last time, Don. Think about how much bigger it is now. Because you, you need these games. Screw the Mets. No offense to the Mets. But Mets aside, the Yankees need these games no matter who you're playing. I mean, it's great they got the win yesterday against Toronto by the hairs of their chinny-chin-chin. Chin. But, Don, I'm hardly sensing that everyone's feeling a huge wave of confidence just because Ben and Tendy stumbled into a two-run homer. So they need this no matter what. Um, and now you have a team who's not only your crosstown rival who people now are taking much more seriously as a championship contender. Put that aside, too. They're one of the best
1: teams in baseball. Right. So, so does that the magnification of this series, where everything bad is going to be exaggerated and everything good is going to be exaggerated, is this just the tonic they need, just the spark they need? There, if something does happen. Oh, it good. It, it, it's it's it would so much be, better. It would
2: be. It would be gorge. I mean, if they play lights out the next two days and smoke the Mets. Oh, I, Don, it could be exactly – it could be what you said the other day where we didn't realize that the Donaldson Grand Slam did what it did. But when you look up and you go, oh, now they've won, let's say, five of seven. And you go, that was – maybe that was the moment. But we're still sitting in the no-man's land of not knowing yeah, at, this, at this at point. And we won't. Let's, let's hear from Aaron Boone on Aaron Judge's recent struggles.
0: I think there was a stretch in there where you would call it getting the Bonds treatment where there were games where more too when he was still hot, you know, where you know they started kind of taking the bat out of his hands in given situations. And I think he's done a good job in handling that and just like taking his walk. The only thing I've seen the last week, I don't think he's far off at all. I, I bet there's a handful of pitches he's gotten to hit to do some damage with that he's fouled off. There's been a couple he's probably put on the ground, you know, where he's hit up really hard ground ball instead of getting that ball on a line or elevated. But he looks really close to me, and I think with him it's the case of the ebb and flow of, like, you're going to have a week where you aren't Superman.
2: Yeah, it seems it seems that, like, at just the time, Don, when they didn't need it, the, the only thing that had been consistent for this team, right? No No worries. Things are, no matter how bad things are, you know you have Aaron Judge. Right when it's gotten to the worst point, it seems like he's having just just a little bit of a, a cold spot here.
1: Yeah, but he was also hot as anything at the, the beginning of the game. I, were you
2: about to drop an F-bomb?
1: No, no, no. Okay.
2: It, it, yeah, I wasn't
1: sure. For <laughs> that's, that's where I thought we were going. No, no, I, I it, he was... He was really, really hot, and they. Well, were first happy.
0: of all, Richard, stop
1: yelling at me. <laughs> so, um, it just can't get any, get it out of the way, yeah. You because know, just like when the Yankees were fifty-two and eighteen, it wasn't sustainable to win one hundred and twenty games and, and play eight hundred baseball. He was at one point when he was hitting what was the what was the figure like twelve home runs in fourteen games or something yeah. ridiculous like that. It was eventually gonna. Level itself off. That's why these records are what they are.
2: Right, and now and now it's sitting here where that sixty-one. It's definitely still still attainable, but it's getting more and more towards he would need to go on a real tear to get it.
1: And he probably will.
2: I, I certainly hope so. Um, hey, Don. Speaking of which, we played that clip there of Richard. Of, yeah. I'm sorry of Boone responding to Richard. Hmm. I got to – you know you know I lift up the we lift up the curtain on this show. Lift it up and show it to me. Should I feel a way that on today of all days it's being reported to me that Richard from Manhattan they called our competition today.
1: I'm not surprised. I I I'm not surprised at all. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I don't I I don't I mean I don't I, like I, it. I'm not in love with it, but I, 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 I mean, would, are we going to be that petty and say that you're you're not allowed to call other shows?
2: No, of course not, but like I mean, come on! We made him a part of the of the Aaron Boone interview on Thursday, to the point that Boone referenced it on Saturday, and 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 then you turn around on Monday and he's he's calling the other show.
1: Well, we we could make him declare if you want next time he calls. All right, we heard you've been calling other shows, and we get it, but this is still the place you love, right?
2: I got to think about how I feel. Um, I, it, it hurt a little bit today. You it mean, hurt.
1: Is it possible that he just didn't even know he did it?
2: (laughs) I know. I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like he's always in lockstep. He knows what's going on. Don't let – he's an interesting guy, but he knows what's happening in the world.
1: No, I'm not saying he doesn't know, but it's possible he doesn't know it's a thing. He just calls on a sports radio show. That's what he does
2: trim that that's that he's is a possible.
1: dentist what if i you know what if i'm in tahiti and i got a toothache? am i supposed to wait till i get home or find the yeah dentist but you're not in, in tahiti. tahiti
2: you're sitting right at home
1: you know he couldn't get through to our station he calls the other station he doesn't see a big deal in it i mean if i don't want to call richard an addict but you get a sense that he needs to make these <laughs> calls right he needs to make these phone calls and he make he, he get he, he get it where you can right I'm sure. I'm sure. If you're an addict of of some sort, you have your favorite dealer, but that doesn't mean you're exclusive to that dealer.
2: That's a great point. Uh, let's let's hear from let's hear from Brian Cashman. He supports this team.
4: The group's got my belief. I believe strongly in them. I think they're still capable of everything we ever hoped and dreamed. But we have to weather the storm first and foremost. Yesterday was a nice win, but we need to string together obviously a lot as we move forward here and and earn our playoff spot and then take our shot. I believe in this group. I know Aaron Boone believes in this group. And I know our ownership believes in this group. It's a good crew that's dedicated, that's hungry, and that's really talented.
1: Now, what is he supposed
4: to say? He built the team.
2: Now, let, let's hear from Cashman a bit more. This is uh, on managing bullpen injuries.
4: And everybody's dealing with losing some very important people. And, you know, we've had, as a one thing, the first half, we were certainly blessed with probably the best run of non-injuries that I've ever experienced. And then it finally hit us, lost some keep. Personnel, You know, King and, and Green and out of know, the pen and then Castro. And so I think we've added some new guys that will help. We just lost F. Ross for a period of time. But, you know, I think that the bullpen has got a lot of different looks, a lot of different high caliber players. And I think the only difficult part, which will sort itself out over time, is who slots where and when. You know, I think the only way you've really learned that is battle-tested in-game presentations and see how, who responds to what. So I think that's the only unknown right now is when everybody's healthy on a online basis, you know, who gets what lane and when. And that's obviously for Booney and Blake and Harkey and Desi to figure out. God oh, they all Harkey. love doing it, don't they?
2: I mean, it's 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 so uh Well Mike Harkey, I guess his name is Mike Harkey, so I'll I'll give him that one. But still, uh Booney is not named Booney. Um all right, th- that's the that's the Yankee side of things, and we'll do more Yankee stuff as the show goes on. But let's let's. Uh, oh, Cashman was sorry right, before we move on. Cashman was also asked about his future with the Yankees.
4: I like what I do. I like being part of a group that gets after it to find a way to to put a great team on the field and take a shot at the World Series title. So I certainly enjoy that, and I, I enjoy you know certainly being graded on a daily basis, even though the grades haven't been as good here during this last. 45 55 games I'm a competitor so I like to compete even though it's from the front office side of it so yeah, I don't see that changing from my end you know but in terms of what's next for me that's not my decision
2: hmm. Hmm. now on the Met side of things uh, Buck showalter uh, offering an update on Taiwan Walker
1: real well I responded well from yesterday if weather cooperates, he's scheduled to start for us tomorrow
2: that'll do it for enN on this Monday. On the Michael K show on 98.7 ESPN.